Okay, the Rambam, the Rambam famously writes as follows, and he says that when hard times befall Klal Yisrael, so it's a warning for tshuva. It's a warning that a person has to realize what are we doing in this world? What is the purpose? Are our deeds in the correct way? Are we going in the right direction? Says the Rambam. And when we find Soros in Klal Yisrael, it's a, it's a reminder for a person to do tshuva. And that, say Chazal, is one of the main reasons why we have a fast day, a tainis, which we're having right now, Be'ezus Hashem, in two days' time, on Friday, Be'ezus Hashem, which we're going to be discussing tomorrow, the halachic consequences of a fast day on Erev Shabbos. But before we get to the halachic aspect of things, let's discuss why. What is it all about? Chazal tell us that one of the reasons of a fast is to get a person involved in tshuva, as the Chavetz Chaim writes in the Mishnah Brura, that if a person would go through the day of a fast day, and he would just fast, meaning he just didn't eat, he's not Yitzah. Or the way that the, Shulchan, or the, way the Mishnah Brura brings it is, he took the toffel and he left the Ikah. The Ikah isn't the fasting. The Ikah is what the fasting represents, and what it springboards you to do. So I want to speak about something which is very, very important, and that is Asurabateves, as we know, is on Friday, but it doesn't begin on Friday, or even Thursday night for that matter. It already began now, today, Wednesday. And I want to give you a couple of ideas of what the next three days look like in the history of Kali Yisrael, in the history of the Jewish people, to understand exactly what's going on as a lead up to Asurabateves itself. Um, so we'll say like this the Megillah's Tainus Megillah's Tainus was the Megillah that was written was a scroll with all the days of all the history of Kalal Yisrael when you can fast, when you cannot fast the Yom Tovim and everything else and it mentions like this it mentions that there are three days of mourning in Teves three days, not one, three and the Megillah's Tainus tells us that it's the 8th of Teves that's right now the 9th, which is tomorrow, Thursday and the 10th, which is obviously the fast day, which is Friday, Erev Shabbos. The Torah brings down, Nassim, yeah. that it's roy for a person to fast all three days. So really today's a fast day. Tomorrow's also a fast day. You guys got off easy that you only have to fast on Friday. Think of it that way. Says the Torah, it's roy for everyone to fast all three days. But Lamaisa, we don't. We don't. So what do we do? We do tshuva. We contemplate a little bit about what today represents, what tomorrow represents, and of course what Friday, Asarabatavis itself represents, and that itself is a tshuva. So let's go through the days. Number one today. Today is the eighth Ches Teves. What happened on Ches Teves? So the most important, the most famous thing that happened today is that the Torah was translated into Greek, and the Megillus Tainus tells us that at the moment that the Torah was um, translated into Greek, the world plunged into darkness for three days. Chazal tell us, again this is in the Sechta Sofer in Perak Aleph, Chazal tell us that this is so bad, it's as harmful as the Egel Hazov. Okay, the Egel Hazov was the worst act in Kalal Yisrael that Ada Yom Hazer was still paying for. And the time of today, the Ches, the 8th of Teves, right now, where we're holding now, was when they translated the Torah into Greek, and it plunged the world into three days of darkness. Says the Gemara in Megillah Daftesamad Aleph, Ptolemy, famous Maisa, Ptolemy, a Greek king, 
took 72 Gedele Yisrael. Can you imagine taking the, all the Rav Chaim Kenevskis, the Arab Leib Steinmans, all the Kidegas, the Chavitz Chaims, the Eidgech Samsoifas, putting them all together in a castle and giving each one their own room. They couldn't communicate with each other. They couldn't see each other. They couldn't talk to each other. They were simply in their own place. And the, Megid, and the Gemara tells us that what happened was is that since they were in their own place, they weren't be able to communicate one with each other. And they were told to translate the Torah. And the most incredible nice happened. Because if each and every one of you would translate even a piece of Gemara one way, it could be that two people would have two different translations. Here we have Gedolei Torah who understood the panemius of the Torah. But yet a nace happened. And each and every single one of them translated it in exactly the same way. And that was an incredible nace. Because Ptolemy was not looking for that. Ptolemy was looking that they're going to translate it differently. There'll be steers, there'll be contradictions. And everyone's going to say, ah, look at this Torah. And an incredible nace, which was an incredible nace. And that's what happened. And the question we have to ask ourselves is as follows. Why is it so homo? The world plunged into darkness like the Egel Hazob. No, what's so bad? What's so bad about translating the Torah? The world plunged into a darkness like the Egel Hazob. Okay, maybe it wasn't so good, but what's so bad about it? We should be fasting right now just because of that. Why? What's so bad? There are a few ideas I want to share with you. And then we'll move on to tomorrow. Number one is like this. You have to understand... Until that stage, if you wanted to learn Torah, you had to go to the Yidden. You had to go to the Jews. There was no way of you learning Torah on your own, because it was in Aramaic. It was, no one understood it. You had to go to a rabbi, you had to go to a Jew, you had to go to a, someone to teach it to you. But all of a sudden now, they translated it, there's no Messiah anymore. There's no Messiah from Rebbe to Talmud, from Rebbe to Talmud, which is the Messiah that we live off. That came from Moshe Rabbeinu at Kabbalah Satorah by Hasinai. We live off that Messiah. Our Messiah comes from that. You look at the Chinuch and the Hagdola. Everything comes from there. Once they translated it, there's no Messiah. Because anybody can learn it. Anybody can say his own Pshat. All the Goyim could sort of, you know, go inside the Torah and say this Pshat, and say that Pshat, look at this and look at this. It was a very dangerous day for Klaliso. That's number one. The Yarish Tvash says another Pshat. The Yarish Tvash says Pshat. That this, this set the stage for the start of the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash, which is why Sarbatavis is one of the most common Tanesim, because it's the beginning of the end. It all set the stage. Once they translated the Torah, everything started to change. The, the relationship between the Yidden and the Goyim started to change, and that eventually led to the Chorban Beis Hamikdash. And then you have the Heilige Chsam Soifa. The Chsam Soifa in Drushes, in uh, he has a section on Chodesh Tavis. So he writes, what is Yovan? I'm sure we discussed this by Hanukkah. Yovan is Greek. The Greece um, exterior, physical appearance, their bodily build-up, everything external, everything on the outside, no panemius, no inner beauty. Everything's about the outside. Says the Heilige Chsam Soifa, such an incredible Yosite. He said, you know why they wanted to uproot Torah Balpeh? What is Torah Shabalpeh? Torah Shabalpeh is the panemius of the Torah. When you look at the Posseg, there isn't just a Posseg. There's all the explanation of Chazal of that Posuk. There's the Pneumius, the inner beauty of that Posuk. But when you translate it, you lost the beauty. Why? Because then you just have a translation of the Torah. You can't delve into the depth of Torah. You can't delve into the Pneumius of Torah. 
Mimele, when they translated the Torah into Greek, it wasn't just big deal they translated it. Who cares? It's not pshat. Pshat was they took away the whole panemius of Torah. There's no Torah Shabal Peh. That was Greek. That was, the, that was the whole culture of Greece. It was everything external on the outside. The beauty, the bodybuilding. Wow, I'm so strong because it's about who I look like. That's what it was. Torah wasn't the inside. Torah was the surface that what's the, they wanted to come along and reproduce. They wanted to say, just translate it. What is it? It's only a, it's a translation. Okay, God said this. Moses said that. Abraham said that. Wonderful. Rabbi Kiva Darshund, hundreds and hundreds of halachas from every tag in the Torah. Because there's so much panemius. There's so much beauty to Torah, so much depth to Torah, but they took it away. That's why it was so bad. That's why we should be fasting right now. That's why today is a day, doyma to the Egel Azov, because we lost the panemius of Torah. Torah isn't just on the surface. Torah is the depth, the beauty, the halachas, the Messiah that we have. And today we lost that. That is today. What about tomorrow? What happened tomorrow? What happened on the 9th of Teves? That's so bad that we need to fast. What happened? So the Torah brings a shita that we don't know why. Interesting, because there were people that fasted on test Teves and had no idea why they're fasting. Torah brings a shita. Torah's a mission. We have no idea why we fast, according to one shita. Um, however, the t- t- they tiny that the Torah knew that he didn't really want to say the answer. And they say one of the reasons is, there's Muramids in a few places, that Yoshi, or maybe people know him more as Yashki, was actually born tomorrow. He was born on the 9th of Tevis. Yes, we know, 25th of December, it's all garbage. It was all created by, by Coca-Cola and everything else that went on over there. Al-Kaponim, it's all garbage. That we know, Al-Kaponim. But according to money of the Rishonim, that he was born on the 9th of Tevis, which was a very bad day for Torah, for Tamidei Chachomim, and for the Messiah of Kali Yisrael. If you look at the Slichas, which we'll be saying, but as is Hashem, for anybody that concentrates on the slichas. So it actually brings down it to, it's the yacht site of Ezra HaSofa tomorrow. So if it's the yacht site of Ezra HaSofa tomorrow, Ezra HaSofa is one of the Gedolei Adon. Chazal tell us, I want to tell you an incredible Chazal. Chazal tell us that Ezra HaSofa was so choshev, he was so roy, that the Torah could have been given to him. And the Medrash tells us that had Ezra would have lived together with Aaron, he would have been greater than Aaron HaKoyim. As I state the Medrash, we're dealing with Ezra as Sefer, would have been greater than Aaron HaKoyim. And it was his Yotzite tomorrow on the 9th of Tavis. When Ezra came to Eretzisrael, the Gemara Baba Kama tells us very famously, people were very relaxed in mitzvahs, very chilled, everything's easy, everything's okay, we'll do whatever we want, big deal, what the Alochus tells us, eh, it's okay, it's fine, God doesn't mind, right? They were very relaxed about things. Ezra Sofa came along, tells us the Gemara Baba Kama, and made many xeris and takonas that they needed, because we fell spiritually. He basically got Torah Shabal Peh up again in the world, and people started keeping halachas. So therefore tomorrow, the 9th of Tevis, was a tremendous, tremendous day. And obviously the 10th of Tevis, Asorah B'Tevis, which we actually passed, was the culmination of everything. And that's when the siege began and it ended obviously in the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. Now there's an obvious question. And the obvious question is, which Beis HaMikdash are we discussing over here? First. The first Beis HaMikdash. The question is, why are we mourning on the first piece of English when there was a second one? Okay, we can mourn the second one. Why are we mourning the first one? So the answer is, there are many things that happened by the first base of Migdash, which did not happen by the second base of Migdash. 
For example, there was no Oren and no Luchais in the second base Hamikdash. It's like having a shul without a Sefer Torah. Almost. Almost, right? We know what that feels like. So, having a, a, a shul without a, a Sefer Torah or an Oren Kodesh. Can you imagine there's a shul? They build a whole shul, they just forget the Oren Kodesh. Like, huh? One of the first things we did when we moved in over here is so we're like, we need to get an Oren Kodesh. Baruch Hashem. So, they had no Luchais. Can you imagine the base Hamikdash without Luchais? There was no Oren in the second base Hamikdash. Some Sheetahs, whatever. Uh, the Shechina did not come down to the second base Hamikdash in the same intensity as it did to the first. As well, the Urim Batumim wasn't working in the same way. The second base of Middash was lacking a lot that the first base of Middash had. And because of that, that's why we are going along to say, to make sure that we, um, that we really making sure that we are mourning the first base of Middash as well. And that's very, very important. The Tor, I'm going to say very, very, very famous yesterday, the Tor brings the Avu Drum. Until now, most of what I've been saying is the Chsam Soif and the Droshas. But when we move on from the Chassam Sofa and the Joshua, we'll move on now to the Tor. The Tor brings the Avu Drum, that he says that if um, Asorba Tevis would fall on Shabbos, which basically the calendar doesn't allow it to, but if it would fall on Shabbos, we would actually fast on Shabbos. The only other fast we know from that is Yom Kippur. Most other fasts we push off to Sunday or whatever it may be. We don't find a fast that you would fast on Shabbos Kodesh. Now this year it falls on Friday, and we'll discuss that tomorrow, how and why. But I'll call upon him at least, if it would, theoretically, it cannot. But if it would, then we would fast on Shabbos. And the question is, why? Why is it so homo? Why is it so homo? What's so, think about a sober tea. It's a light one, Rabbi, right? I don't really have to fast. No, it's a heavy one. It's like Yom Kippur, because it's the only one that you would actually have to fast on Shabbos. Which it doesn't, but if it would, you would. Why? What's, what, what is it? So I'll give you a few reasons. In Divra Yomim, Shteid Be'etzem Ayoyim by the fast of Asorba Tevis, but Etzimimimze means on that day. So therefore we want to fast on that day, which is Asorba, which is on the 10th, which is on Shabbos. This year it's not, it never will, but the point is theoretically. Number two, look at the other fasts. If you look at the other Tanesim, they didn't actually happen on that day. Right, Yudzai and Batamas, it was the beginning, but it only happened a little bit later. Even Tishabav, Tishabav really was the next day. Right, we know that because we can't do everything on it meat on that night of the Matzah Because it really was a fire, but it was on the next day, but the beginning was then. Only by a sorrow do we find that it actually happened. They broke the wall of independence on the day of the 10th. That's why we have to fast on the 10th. But I want to tell you one more thing. This is an incredible thing. The Heilige Chassam Sofer again. We're back to the Chassam Sofer. The Chassam Sofer says something incredible. I want you to listen to this. I want you to think about this. Says the Chassam Sofer, why is it that this is the only fast other than Yom Kippur that if would fall on Shabbos, which it doesn't, you would fast on Shabbos and not push it off, which is what you do with every other fast. Listen to what he says. Says the Chassam Sofer that on Asorah B'Tevis, on the 10th of Tevis, this year, Friday, air of Shabbos, the Beistin Shalmailo are convening, they're sitting down. And have you ever sat in a Beistin? I unfortunately have. It's not Gishmak. You sit there with a Dayonim and, and it's like a whole process and there's a transcriber. It, it's, it's a whole situation. The based in Shalmailon, Asorah Beteve, says the Heiligach Sabsoifa, are sinning. And they're deciding how much longer to the goddess. How much longer we can have Tzoris in Kalal Yisrael. How much longer are people going to lose their loved ones, whether it be their parents, whether it be Rachman Islam, their children. People are getting sick. Kids are not feeling Yiddish guy. Marriage problems, Parnassa problems. There's so much. Because we're in this Golas. How much longer? On the day itself, they are deciding 
How much longer? And when are we going to end this Golas? That's why we have to fast on Shabbos. If it would fall on Shabbos. You can't just push it off! On a sober Davis, they're deciding! On a sober Davis, they're sitting saying, How much longer? Die! The Tsaurus! The Tsaurus, the Kladis, are going to it's enough! We don't want it anymore! But it's on a sober Davis that they're deciding. That means this year, on Friday, every single one of you have an opportunity. An opportunity to do tshuva. An opportunity to daven. An opportunity to beg the rabbi Nishlan die. Enough. It's enough. We're finished. We can't cope anymore. How, how strong are we anyway? Rabbi Nishlan stop. We need Mashiach. We need the Beis Amigdash. We need the Kahanim. We need the Avodah. We need everything. We need the Shechina. The Gila Shechina. It's enough. That's what's happening on the Davis. It's to sleep all day in bed. It means you miss the boat. You miss the opportunity. It's a day of opportunity. It's a day of an incredible, real change that a person can make for himself and for the world. How do we know how many more tefillahs the Rabbi Nisham says? One more and I'm done. That could be you. That one small tefillah. That one small bakosha. That one big the Rabbi Nisham, like, Look around. Who doesn't know anyone in the room that doesn't have tsaris? Never mind people outside the room. There's so much. And let me end with one last thing, Rabbi Say. The Heilig Ponovich when the Ponovich went to Italy to raise funds for the yeshiva. So he calls out one night, it was one o'clock in the morning, Ramosha Rothschild, who was then living in Rome. And he said, Ramosha, we have to meet. So the Panovich calls you for a meeting. You go for a meeting, right? That's what happens, right? It was late at night. It was pouring with rain, freezing cold. But Panovich you can't turn down the Rav. As soon as he arrived to where the Rav was saying, Ramosha, um, he told, he told the Panovich the Panovich Rav told Ramosha, he said, Ramosha, we have to go to the Arch of Titus. Right? The famous Arch of Titus of Russia. Right? This was constructed to commemorate the victory of the Romans over the Jews. Right? And all the Jews being led to chains into Rome. An incredible thing. The Arch of Titus? That, it's one o'clock in the morning. But we can go tomorrow. We have to go now. Oh, but the Panovich says, we go, we go. Right? It's raining. It's dark. It's cold. It's freezing. And they went to the Arch of Titus. And it was quiet. There was nobody there. Ponovich Yorov and Ramosha get out of their taxi. And all of a sudden the Ponovich Yorov looks up at this big, huge arch. And he says, Titus, Titus, where are you? Where are you now? Your big boy coming to take away the hidden, triumphing over your victory. You captured our base Amikdosh. You destroyed it. You murdered us. You slaughtered our children. You imprisoned our families. You matama all our incredible Kalim. But we rose up. Yeshivas, Torah, Koilal, Yiddishkeit. Unbelievable. Look at the royalty of Torah. What remains of you? An arch. That's about it. That's all that remained of you. There's nothing left of the Romans apart from an arch. Oh, but Yidin, we're still here. Let's think for a moment what the Tainus represents. Let's use it. To try and make the situation in Klali Swabel and Be'ez HaShem, the Rabbi will take it away, that Be'ez HaShem will be able to turn this tiniest Sosan, the Simcha, to a tremendous Yontav, Be'ez HaShem, Shkoyach.